Hello, you're listening to the Mr. Money Jar podcast. Mr. Money Jar here. This episode is taken from an Instagram live and has been uploaded in its entirety. This means that some of what you hear may seem odd in an audio format. For example, there might be references to questions that appeared during the live, plus some audience interaction, and very rarely some swearing or audio mishaps. Thanks for listening, and I hope you enjoyed the show. Welcome to episode 56 of the Mr. Money Jar Show on this uh, rainy uh, summer's evening. We're going to be joined today by Sonia and Anish of Making Financial Sense and a good friend of mine, Vivek Ayer, and we're going to be talking about the financial advice gap. And uh, as mentioned in my Instagram story, this is going to be quite a packed uh, live by uh, usual standards. It's going to be four of us having a fantastic conversation today. Really looking forward to it. And um, I hope you guys are too. Um, I also want to know, like, who who was the person who complained about how hot it was over the past couple of weeks? Because um, if you did, I'm blaming you for this uh, turn in weather. Um, oh, cool. Making financial sense. And Vivek have already requested to join. Hopefully this works first time. Fingers crossed. Hey, Louise. Good evening. Oh, first time. Hello. <laughs> Hello. Wicked, wicked. How are you all doing? Good, thank you. How are you? How are you doing? Very good. I was just, uh, I was trying to ask the uh, people tuned in. Who was the person who complained about how hot it's been over the past couple of weeks? Because uh, this is unacceptable. Yeah, I just heard you say that as well. I was like, oh, I'm with you on that one. I don't know who, <laughs> who's done this to us. But uh, thank you all so much for joining. I'm really looking forward to today's conversation. Um, I'll just get you all to introduce yourself. On my screen, Vivek is on my left. So I'll start with him and then I'll come on to you, Anish, and to you, Sonia. So Vivek, do introduce yourself to everyone and let us know about what you do. Yes, so my name is Vivek Ayer. I'm British Indian. Um, I'm a consultant by profession and really passionate about educating families, um, youth, and adults as well about money management because I think it's something that I would have benefited from when I was young. Um, and even in my early 20s or my teens, yeah, I, I think it's a gap and it needs to be filled. So really passionate about sharing anything that I can based on what I've learned, my mistakes and my successes. And I'm looking forward to this today. Thank you. Yeah, thank you very much for joining Vivek. And actually Vivek and I have known each other for just over a year. This is the first time we're getting to speak on this face-to-face. It's mainly been DMs and emails so far. So pleasure to meet you, Vivek. Anish, do introduce yourself and let everyone know about what you do. Yeah, thank you. No, my name's Anish. Um British Indian as well, like Vivek. Um I've got my background is actually not in financial advice or services or anything like that. I had a background in um in sales, which is going very well. Um but due to the, the pandemic um, and everything that came with it, um, I was forced to look into into a new career. Um, and obviously, when Sonia introduced herself, you you understand a little bit more about it. But she was the one that sort of opened my eyes to the, to the actual advice gap that is here in the UK, <clears throat> which leads to opportunities for for young professionals who want to maybe take up financial advice. 
um, which was which seemed like a, a clear route for me um, because I'm I was really interested in all the topics that that goes with it and 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 you get to learn throughout the qualification. So I'm currently studying to become a financial advisor. Fantastic. Yeah. So so taking two exams so far. There's six in total that I need to take. I've only done two so far, so I've got another four to go. And then once I've completed that, I'll be looking to um, yeah provide some financial advice to everyone. Yeah. Awesome stuff. Thank you for introducing yourself, Benish. And last but not least, Sonia, do introduce yourself. Okay. Um, so yeah, I'm a financial journalist. So I write for the FT um, and actually specifically for one of their specialist titles, which is called FT Advisor. So that's more for financial advisors, for fund managers and kind of a bit more niche rather than consumer focus. But it was only after speaking to financial advisors that I kind of started to learn about this gap and, and you know the fact that I only knew about a lot of these things because I was in the industry otherwise I'd probably have very little understanding about what goes on in the world and of, and what to do with my money so yeah that's kind of how I got into it um, but yeah I'm a journalist and I'm basically just doing the same exams at the moment um, but I'm not planning to be a financial advisor I just want to do the exam for the qualification more than anything else so yeah all right you should definitely pick up about that afterwards then because i've been considering doing the same thing not necessarily to become a financial advisor but you know as someone who creates content around it you want to be able to know you know say that you know what you're talking about in, yeah. a, in a formal way um so staying us oh, finance reboot is in the chat good to see you tasha and congrats again for getting the property ladder um tasha uh, just recently acquired a property Oh, nice. Right. Um, so, Sonia, staying with you then, um, look at my uh, questions. Yeah, what, what is the financial advice gap? How, how do you define it in simple terms? So, I guess in, in more basic terms, it's more, um, it's essentially the gap that of people that can't access a financial advisor. So, there's a few reasons that could be the case. It's either, you know, the wealth gap. So, people assume you can only you'll only go to a financial advisor if you've got like an abundance of wealth, which is a completely a misconception and not the case at all. So that's one reason that there's this big gap. Another reason is kind of the gap because of trust issues. So kind of some people and some cultures as well, and, and sometimes in, in Indian culture, we're Indian and, and it's quite common to not really, it's kind of a taboo topic to talk about your finances to anyone other than people in your community or in your circle. And so going to a financial advisor is, is almost not a thing that somebody would do unless they really you know, knew about what the value of that advice was going to be. Interesting. And then lastly, more just like the accessibility at the moment. So there is a massive, massive, massive gap in the industry at the moment uh, for financial advisors. So the the average age of financial advisors is about 56 at the moment, which shows, you know, that retire that they're all approaching retirement and they they need to get a new generation in. Otherwise, there will essentially be a need for financial advice, but no advisors to provide it, which is why a lot of these, um, uh, you know, a kind of companies and financial advice firms are launching all these academies and stuff to get people in and, and I mean Anush was looking at the academies himself but then decided he would do it independently so I think um, that's kind of one of the one of the areas where there is an advice gap I, I, I have to say I have to say 
very interesting and um in particular the cultural aspect um when you when you said trust issues i didn't know if you meant financial trust or like social trust but um that's very <laughs> interesting to know um i've just seen a comment in the chat i just want to um check with everyone because it's uh, quite important that people's sounds coming through um it's from uh Oh gosh, I hope I pronounced this properly. Seals Dan? I've definitely pronounced that wrong. My mistake, but is anyone else having a bit of trouble with the sound? Not sure where it's coming from. Sorry to disrupt things to such an important convo. Um, any, well, to the panel, are any of you having issues with the sound? I can hear you and I can hear uh, making financial sense very clearly. So, okay. Just one isolated case. Okay. Yeah. Could be. There's like a little bit of interference. Oh, right. Jenny's just popped in to say there's a little interference or crackling. Um, well, what has solved this in the past is um, using headphones. Um, that might be impractical for you, uh, Anish and Sonia, though, seeing as you're both sharing. I, if that will help. I don't Yeah. Know. Let's see if we can. Okay, why don't you disable me and I'll join you in a couple of minutes, if that helps. Um, My headset is on, so I'm going to go off and get it. All right, you can, you can just, um, I don't know how, I've never had to disable someone before. Okay. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm sure I can, I don't know if I can leave, this is like, you know, what's that hotel? Is it Hotel California? Yeah. <laughs> Leave. Let's not turn this into a joke. Seriously, I'm I'm mucking around. I apologise. But All right. Um, if you want to, if you want to go run, get a pair. That's cool. That. Thank you. All right. Um, thank you very much for the comment. Um, and then whilst Vivek's getting his headphones, um, there's a question to you, Anish and Sonia. It's from yeah. Race to Well. Um, Rich Wolf, when we were speaking about doing the exams, said, me too, which exams are you studying, DFA or CISI? Oh, yeah, I see that one. Yeah. Well, I'm doing the CII ones, the Child Institute of Insurance ones. Okay. There was another, there's another board. Yeah, the CISI is the other board uh, that, that offers it, but we're doing the um, Diploma of Financial Regulations, so it's DIPFS, which is the kind of... Yeah short version of it um and yeah it's with the chartered insurance institute so that's the one we're both doing i've only sat one exam so far um it's, it's a bit hard to do when you're working full time so i haven't had as much time to do it but i will get there eventually but anish is hoping to you know have it done this year um or at least by early next year so yeah my target is possibly by the end of the year um but let's see how it goes. It's, it's all completely new content for me, to be honest. So it's taken a little while for me to digest it all. Uh, but now I'm slowly, slowly getting into it. Obviously, done done two of those exams. Um, now on to the next topic, which is investments, which is a whole other... It's, it's, it's quite complicated <laughs> already. So, so yeah, take, take a while to get into it, really. Awesome. Thanks for answering that, guys. Vivek, thank you for grabbing a pair of headphones. I do hope that this improves the sound a little bit. Um, but uh, even if we have a, do have a bit of interference, um, do try to stay with us because um, I'm sure there's going to be a lot of information, a lot of education dropped on this slide. Um, so Vivek, 
coming to you. Uh, what's your understanding of the financial advice gap? I feel um, all of this is personal because I don't work in the finance industry. Um, I feel that you're talking about the gap, right? Yeah. A lot of us are sometimes we're working, we're earning well, but we're not thinking about really basic things like perhaps how much are we actually putting aside every month? Because, you know, you could have a really high flying job that pays very well. But sometimes if you earn above a certain amount, the tax, you know, the increase in tax that kicks in or, you know, taxable benefits, all these things that employers sell you on, like we're going to give you this and we're going to give you that. We don't often work out quite what the financial impact is. So I feel sometimes that many of us are now chasing things that look good on LinkedIn or on social media. And we're not often thinking about, is it going to have an impact on our bank account or is this going to help us achieve specific goals? Is it going to bring us any happiness? Mm -hmm. I'm really practical because money is there for you to do something with it. Um, on its own, it doesn't actually mean anything. So it gives us choices, but could those choices be available with, you know, a job that pays a little less, but where we pay less tax or where we do something that we actually enjoy. And that leads to some really amazing things in later years that, you know, you know, you will get experience doing certain things. And then it leads to something like what you're doing now. I mean, I always wanted to be a journalist. So when I heard your initial introduction, I always thought, yeah, it's what I wanted to do at school. I never did it because people said you won't earn much money. And, yeah, uh, it's true, don't. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, uh, it, it, going back to journalism, now I've connected to the FT because they're running financial literacy and inclusion as a campaign. And you're part of that, aren't you? Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've signed up to that as well. Yeah. I get the newsletter. Yeah. So, so people are trying to help everyday people get up to speed on this topic but my my personal interest is maybe getting children involved in it and some countries do try um i've lived in scandinavia and i heard that there are some banks that are trying to roll it out but it still doesn't seem to be for some reason it doesn't really seem to be taking off anywhere in in my opinion at least where, where it can have impact like everyone's learning maths and english and computers but really basic things like I didn't know, I didn't really take care of tax until very late on. Somehow it just didn't, you know, it's just pay as you earn. I just didn't have a clue. But why can't we teach children at a young age? You know, whenever you get anything, even if it's a couple of pounds, will you have to declare it to the tax man? Get into the habit of, you know, even if they don't deduct anything from your account, do yeah. save it. You know, what do you call it? do as a you know, self-assessment every year, get them into that habit of doing it. But we were never taught these basic things. And I wonder, I wonder why could it be because the people that are really making money, really making money want us perhaps not to have this, uh, this education. And so having things like this, having people trained like, uh, making financial sense i'm sure i, I should i'm ca calling you making financial sense because it's a wonderful brand i know you're <laughs> you are individuals as well but it's, it's it's a wonderful brand having people like that to help you is that something that very powerful people don't want because when we know what we're doing it's probably going to result in all of us becoming a bit more empowered and making some fairly mm. influential decisions this is i mean i i hope that it's not 
a conspiratorial thing, although there are some, there's an extent to which I am inclined to agree, but, you know, like, what a better world we would live in if there was just a baseline of financial understanding or financial mm-hmm. education. Honest, so far we've talked about um, the financial advice gap, maybe some of the cultural reasons why there's a gap. Vivek's um, quite interestingly also brought up um, like the different ages at which we learn stuff. What's your take on the financial advice gap and um, what it is and, and why it exists? Yeah, I mean, like Vivek said as well, um, I think it's crazy actually how we're not taught from a young age about just simple things, you know, savings and tax or even, you know, what your pension is going to look like when you're older. And Yeah, it's a big one. Most people wouldn't even thought of pension before they got their first job, but actually, you know, it's, 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 it's quite an important makeup of your, you know, late life where you're actually going to need, you know, something to fall back on. Um, so definitely I agree with, with that, that there needs to be a lot more education for, for, for the younger generations, like uh, about this kind of, these kind of matters. Um, for me, the advice gap was, was it, it was highlighted when I was looking into this career um, as a, uh, you know, as, as my future path, career path. Um, I think Sonia sent me a few, a few articles where it was saying how, you know, 30, or 30 to 40% of the, the uh, advisors currently are going to retire within the next 10 to 15 years. Um, so with that, they're going to leave behind so many existing clients as well, which will need to be, um, you, you know, need, will, will need advice. But also there's only, a, 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 I think, the small percentage of the entire population actually gets um, financial advice. So, so, so the opportunity for new clients is, is endless. Um, simple things like uh, just life protection, things like that. No, it's not just necessarily about investments and where to put your money. It's just, it's, it's more about, you know, how to safeguard your money, your, your family as well. Um, so one of the modules that I just did just now was on, was all about protection. Um, and it, it kind of scared me actually, because I hadn't even thought about it before this. Um, but, and then I'm, I'm sure most of my friends haven't either. Um, but it's important to actually have that protection in place because for example, if you suddenly, you know, have some sort of critical illness or anything like that you're not able to go to work your whole family is relying on your income if if you know if something like that happens and you're in a real dangerous situation because most people will have mortgages and loans and all these kind of things to pay off with with that income stop it's going to be a struggle for everyone so simple things like just having some income protection or critical illness protection um i think is really important but even for me, like six months ago, I would I hadn't even thought about it. But now it's only because I've been studying about it. I thought, right, you know, this is this is seriously important. Yeah. So, yeah, so <clears throat> there's an extent to which people. I only really found out what income protection was maybe in the last couple of years, like since starting Mr. Money Job. And it does seem like there's an extent to which you even need to know like what your options are, like what even exists. People may not necessarily mm-hmm. even know that you can ensure something like your income. Yeah. And well, and the thing is, to add to that, the um, with the whole protection situation, I mean, some people when they take out a mortgage or if they're trying to get on the property ladder, you'll usually, if you go via a mortgage broker, they will, you know, advise you to take out some form of protection. But I think even for myself, if when I was looking at a mortgage, it was, I was almost kind of like, well, I don't need it. I'm young. I'm fine. Like, I don't need to take this out. I'll be okay. But 
what people don't realize is actually, you know, while you're young, your mortgage, your protection is going to be next to nothing, you know, like 20 pounds, 30 pounds, 40 pounds a month, affordable, like amounts of money, which actually will secure you when you are in those later stages, and you're not having a ridiculously high premium for the fact that you've decided to take it out in your late 50s, 60s, when, when your premium is going to be higher. And it's little things like that, that I think you don't get taught no one teaches you these things no one tells you about it and Absolutely. you know if you're lucky enough to have someone to educate you on it great like if you've got parents or or family members or friends that that know about it and will teach you that's great but if you don't you're almost left to your own devices to kind of take the initiative to figure out what to do with your money otherwise you'll end up in a situation where you know you don't have what you wanted when you retire or you might not be able to retire and you know, all of that. So I think there is a big government push from what I can see that they are trying because at the end of the day, if people don't manage their own finances, it's going to be the government paying out on the benefits. So they want people to be educated on this. And I don't really know why they haven't done it sooner, but I think in the next couple of years, they probably will. Yeah. Mm, I wonder if there is a potential to start off in a in a slightly smaller way, perhaps as focusing on local communities, whereby you look at, it could even be the couple of, you know, the streets in your borough. You know, we've all got really small, in, I live in Northwest London, so I can already say, you know, I might have a local councillor, they may be responsible for this many streets, and mm. just seeing if there was an interest to do something voluntarily, I think my parents would go for it. I spoke to my <laughs> mum about this today, and I said, you know, we're filing and shredding lots of old documents because we've kept all these old car insurance policies and things we don't need. But it just got me thinking, you know, all of this stuff, by virtue of shredding, we actually looked at what we have, and perhaps what we could have done better. And if we go and see a financial advisor, I remember it was either Anish or Sonia who mentioned this, this impression that you need to be rich to see a financial advisor it's really unfortunate and the programs where you see the financial advisor who does something like cheat the the client yeah. it's really bad because actually what percentage of them do that they need to look after you because they come to you every year and it's it's the perception i think in england we're not as far advanced as they are in the u.s when it comes to having someone to advise them like an accountant or a lawyer or a financial advisor we need to start doing that even if you're working class or low middle class, mm -hmm. or even if you, even if you're on, um, you know, social benefit, why not have someone once a year have a consultation? It's like going and having a nice meal. Yeah. But they'll advise. Yeah, exactly. you. I mean, everyone could benefit from from financial advice in so many different ways. Even from you know where to put your money if you've got an abundance of it, or you know what you what kind of benefits you can claim if you don't have enough money yeah. that you need the government to help you. You know, to help. But support. I haven't done it. But here's the sad thing: I'm on this call. I want and probably will go for it but i haven't done it yet and i've mm. worked for more i've worked for a long time so there must be something that stops us from doing that in because we're british or other i mean i'm british i'm assuming all of us on the call uh, we, ha we we're not american in america they do it what is it that stops us from doing it here there must be mm. something and i don't know if the audience want to share any uh, any any words of wisdom on this but i think there must be something that has stopped us historically doing that and it could be because we have the NHS, we have free education, we have all these things that have been there, but that's not always, it may not be there in 50 years time. Yeah. And we should be prepared. 
as we've been speaking, um, we've had a few comments and questions come through, so I'm just going to have a look at some of them. Um, if it's okay, I'll give one question to one speaker, just because there's four of us, just so we can get through them. So, um, Anish, I think this was asked when you were speaking earlier. It's again from, uh, I, I feel so bad, I can't pronounce this properly, but from Stuart's then, and um, it's, do you think that the language of investments is purposefully complex? This has been a theme that's been running throughout the discussion, which is whether we are being purposefully kept in the dark or whether it's a less sinister kind of prioritization issue or maybe cultural issue. Do you think the language of investment is uh, purposefully complex, given that you're studying? I'm not too sure, to be honest. I'm not too sure how to answer that one. It just, I, I guess it depends on how that individual interprets the the information available i guess um from my from my from just a few modules that i've been studying um in the introductory one they talked about the the, the different um organizations i guess within the government that will offer free advice so i think we, we put out a reel a few few weeks ago about debt management week where we highlighted the, the three different um the, the three different government offices which would help and offer free advice to, to citizens no matter what. Um, so I guess there's, I think there, there are um, opportunities out there to help um, understand it a little bit more. But I think that you it's definitely something that you have to look for consciously. It's not something that's just sort of out there that, you know, um, that we know that it's available. I mean, I mean, you really have to, I think, look for it because I didn't know about it. I didn't know about any of this honestly until I started studying it. So it's very difficult for the you know the common person to to have that kind of access and and, and availability to that, that kind of information. So I guess it is, but I'm not too sure about the 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 language side of it. If if that's purposefully creating issues for people. What I will say is that um, the deeper you go into any subject, actually, the more specific technical complex the language gets and this is from everything from finance to science you know my brother's really in, he studied zoology at uni and like the words that they use to describe animals and like plants and stuff is way more complicated than what we do yeah um even down to like i don't know like video games i'm a massive fighting game fan and there's all this like jargon to do with like fighting games for example so um i don't think it's 100 percent done on purpose it might there may be a degree to which it's a consequence of just getting deep into any subject. There will be specific ways and like subcultures that people begin to talk about things. Um, oh, Sonia, you look like you no, were I was going to say, I think it's also the fact that a lot of them, I mean, I found when I started in the industry in like 2016, I was talking to fund managers and they would just be talking as if I knew exactly what they were talking about yeah, yeah, yeah. and I was like I can you just tell me in like layman's terms what this actually means and then they would yeah. break it down and and I think it's just almost it's like a not an intentional level of ignorance but they are almost ignorant to the fact that other people outside of their space yeah. have no idea what they're talking about and yeah. I think a lot of people are trying um, to actively, you know, be like, let me try and use less jargon to explain this. So I don't think it's intentional. I think it's just more of a, like you said, a, a cultural thing where it's just happened because they're so used to talking to people that know what they're talking about. And and I think it's, it would probably be the same. I know when I talk about financial advice to Anish and I'll be talking about something and 
you know, now he's sitting the exams, he'll he'll understand what I'm saying. But prior to that, yeah. he was like, I don't know what you're saying. You're talking to me as if I should know what you're saying. And, and it's yeah. quite easy yeah. for those barriers to, to happen. And so I think it's just everyone needs to make a conscious effort of, you know, ensuring you don't use jargon. And <laughs> that's kind of what came out from our page, why we decided to, di why we decided to just like go ahead and, and do something like Absolutely. that. Absolutely. I think content and social media is a great medium to break things down and really kind of deliver bite-sized piece of information to people. Sonia, when you were speaking before, uh, Jenny uh, commented saying, um, another gap, if most people are advised about life insurance when they get a mortgage, then people who are not able to buy property may miss out on that advice. So, so Sonia was speaking before about like, knowing what's almost available uh, to you. So do you, what do you think of that comment? Do you think that actually being shut out from certain life milestones or opportunities also contributes to the gap? You know, if you're renting, then you may not know about life insurance, the fact that you need to write it into trust, yeah. this, that, and the other. No, I think that's absolutely true. And, and I think it does end up meaning that people that aren't approaching a mortgage broker because even if you've taken out a mortgage without going via a mortgage advisor you may not be offered those protection um, terms because it depends if you've done it online or if you've done it yourself or if you've done it independently so there are a lot of ways that you would just slip through the net in as, as to say in and kind of be part of that gap but I think um, that's kind of why it's so much more important to speak to a financial advisor or to speak to somebody to see, you know, where what benefits do I already get? There might be things you already get covered from your employment. You, there may be a situation where your company offers you, you know, critical illness cover or, or like, you know, whatever benefit. And so it's finding that gap of this is what I already get, this is what's missing. And essentially, you can do that yourself, but if you don't have the experience to or you're kind of a bit wary, an advisor is kind of the person that's going to help you to, to do that. And... Um, I think you only really realize the value of it when they present you with something you don't know or you didn't know prior to that. Otherwise, you, you can, you know, sometimes be a bit skeptical about whether they're going to actually add any value to your life at all. Absolutely. Um, just so people who, who are writing their comments and contributions, thank you so much. I'm going to try and come to um, as many as I can, but... Um, I think it's a testament to the conversation we're having that so much has, has come through. Um, gosh, let me just scroll through, scroll through. Um, yeah, Mr. Money Rocket, just in, in uh, regards to the income protection conversation we were having earlier, mm -hmm. says we insure our iPhones, but not our incomes. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah, it's true. And it comes back <laughs> to what you think about, um, you know, people just not knowing stuff from uh, early enough early enough age. Mm. If, we, if I come back to the conversation then, and starting with you, Vivi, what do you think can be done to, um, to if not close the financial advice gap, uh, but then begin to bridge it, you know? Mm. Okay, here's one thing. Start to talk about boring, unsexy <laughs> things. Like, okay, here's something, um, yeah, I mean, okay, I'm, let's just say for argument's sake, I want to change lenders because I think I can get a better rate. So, yeah, or I want to change the insurance provider because I've been paying a lot. 
So you could say, go, I mean, I did this recently for, um, for a policy. I did a search online and compared prices. And then I just rung up the service provider. And you know what they said to me? Ah, oh, well, we can match that. All you have to do is go from this policy to that policy. Literally, they're the service provider. And they said, all you have to do is move from the one where we send you a piece of paper every year to an online policy. And it's the same price. So it goes back to perhaps what Sonia was talking about, you know, how speaking to these people, they can tell you because they, they don't have any wish. These individuals who are working in the companies, they probably want to help you. They're targeted. They want to sell a new product. So um, it can be health insurance. It could be car insurance, like I was looking at recently. But just sometimes saying, look, I've been paying this much. I just did a search online, compare the market or whatever. Um, I'm getting this price. So I'm going to change if you don't give me something. Yes. I mean, I, I, I can't see any reason why we shouldn't start doing that. So start sharing with your friends that I'm paying this much. How much are you paying? Um, we need to become a bit less uncomfortable about having those discussions, as long as it's not personal. But even then, if you've got very close friendships, perhaps something I need to learn as well is that there's no harm in just, you know, saying, look, first of all, you talk about yourself. I'm looking at this at the moment. Do you have any advice? You know which of your friends are going to be perhaps more likely to share than others. So you can bring up this topic. And then if you find that they're paying half the price for car insurance, perhaps you could look at your your own policy and just go back to your service provider because they need you as customers. Mm. Why not? Yeah. yeah. Finance, Finance Reboot says in response to that, yes, start with the basics. Arnish, so Vivek... Um, you know, is putting forward something as simple as talking to your friends and to people yeah. around you. Could it really be that simple? Yeah, I, have, I, I actually agree completely with uh, with Vivek there. It's, I think it's um, it's not something that comes very naturally to, I think, just a, a young group of friends. I'll oh, talk about each other's finances kind of thing. Oh, what you do with your money? It's, it's not something <laughs> I've even talked to, to, to my friends about uh, on a regular basis uh, up until quite recently obviously becoming a bit more um involved in the in the topics but um but yeah i think it's it's, it's really important because obviously your friends your friends or, or other people will learn about things that are completely different to to you so just by talking about simple things like this you can just gain so much knowledge so i was talking to one of my friends um uh he, he's living in switzerland right now but he, he, he's been really into like uh, cryptocurrency and things like that. And I, I have, have, have no knowledge about any of that kind of stuff. But just from the simple conversations about, you know, what, you know this is what I'm thinking of doing with my investments, blah, 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 blah. He was telling me about cryptocurrency. I learned quite a lot about it. I didn't, haven't really done much with it yet, but, but I've learned a lot about it. So, so, but, so it's opened up a lot of, uh, you know, a new, a new avenue of, uh, a new, um, uh, uh, what's it called? Uh, so what's for huh. part yeah part of sort of for, for investment basically um so 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 yeah i think it's really important to have those conversations with your friends um especially you know the ones that you can trust yeah for sure i've been trying to um talk to one of my very close friends about writing a will i'm shocked at how many of my friends who own properties or very good <laughs> jobs or have children um haven't so again, this is something that I, I risked maybe going a little too far and talking about something very personal, but I have no regrets in bringing it up because I know yeah. I meant well. Yeah. Power of attorney, wills, these are all things yeah. that are really, really boring. It is, and it's sad, isn't it? That like 
something so important, finances, which, you know, they play such a huge role in any aspect of your life are such a taboo subject, but people are so much more comfortable talking about things that, you know, relationships or, or whatever it is, and then they're happy to talk about that. But finances, which are really a key part of your life, yeah. um, is such yeah. a taboo subject to talk about. And I think it is important that people who are comfortable talking about it, like, you know, like mm -hmm. you said, Vivek, with your friends and, and just raising that conversation is so important because then it's almost getting rid of those taboos of like, oh, well, I spoke to my friend about it, which means I can go and ask someone else about it and, uh, and so uh, on and so forth. Absolutely. I mean, Sonia, the one thing that I would say is that our generation can have this discussion. But one thing that I think with my parents' generation is that there's always this thing at the back of their mind that if you have this discussion with, let's say, Anish, then Anish can go and tell Paul and Paul can tell John. And then the news spreads. And, you know, I'm thinking, first of all, you don't know if Anish is going to do that. And if you think Anish is going to do that, then don't speak to Anish, but speak to someone that you trust, yeah. who trust. you don't think we're going to do that, you know? And, and so we've grown up in that environment, perhaps because news does spread yeah. historically <laughs> in the community. In both, I mean, I think in your community too, if you don't want me to say, we've got the Asian, the African community, and it, it's... That has happened, right? But I don't think we need to assume that that's going to happen going forward. We're all, you know, we're, we're all re realising that, you know, it doesn't have to be like that. And I need to slowly get rid of these mental blocks. I'm working on it. This work in progress. Yeah, when we first kicked off the conversation, Sonia cited trust issues as one of the reasons why. Um, finance Reboot, um, Tasha just said in the comments, that's also an issue in the Caribbean community. Uh, Sonia, I'd just like to unpack um, what you mentioned about the taboo. I think pretty much anyone would agree that talking about finances is one of the last taboos in our society. I can't remember what the specific piece of content was, or article was, but there was someone uh, at some point did the thing where they like went into the street and they asked people how many people they'd slept with and they were like happy to like, give yeah. their magic number. But then they asked them like, what their salary was or something and then they like kept quiet right, no. <laughs> um, I find stuff like that fascinating so we know it's a taboo but why do you think that talking about finances is such a taboo subject and if you could bring some of your cultural like specific cultural um thoughts on that that'll be um quite interesting to hear as well yeah i mean i think it's more because we're not taught it right so like you see when you're in school or whatever, you know, you're or even through the media and, and even movies and, and television and everything, talking, seeing relationships, seeing, you know, who slept with who, you, you just look at friends, like as a TV show, you see all of these things and it's normal, right? Like it's something that's embedded into your life. But when do you ever watch a TV show or when you're at school or anywhere, have someone mention money and like you see a few heads turn the other way it's almost just it just doesn't happen i've never i don't think i've seen like can't really remember watching a tv show or, or a movie where they were talking so openly about money and i think it's it, it really does come down to what you consume and i i think i'm a big a kind of believer of that and and what you consume is basically what you think life should be and and you know in the last couple of years we've seen loads more about you know what you know size and and kind of um wearing no makeup and then all these things that people are trying Absolutely. to break the taboo on and this is just one of them it's one of those things where you don't you know people just assume you have to wear makeup or you have to be thin or you have to be this and 
this is one of the other things where we're so ingrained into just knowing what we know that, oh, no one talks about money. So that's it. It's a taboo. And that's kind of where it comes from, I think. Yeah, so we need a more kind of mainstream and kind of like acceptable way of speaking about money. Yeah. I actually agree with Ms. Campbell um, in the comments says, the, I think the internet has made it easier to access and share knowledge in comparison to older generation. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. I think if you want to, you know, something I really, really like, even though it's mainly based in the States, but it, CNBC's uh, Now's, no, CNBC Make It's YouTube channel does these little profiles on like how much that, you know, see how this person on this much salary lives their life in this city. And then they'll like talk about their lifestyle and the stuff that they spend money on. I find, I used to find those like really fascinating when I first started watching them because that was pretty much the first time I was hearing about how much people were earning and what they were doing with their money. And it contextualized for me what I was earning or what I was doing with mine. Mm. Do you um, think Clubhouse has helped this at all? Do you think Clubhouse has helped? Because Clubhouse is all about talking, right? And there have been a few, you know, chats I've joined where people talk. Um, I can't help but smile because Anish, not once has Anish tried to plug himself. And I think that's amazing. Everyone, <laughs> look at making financial sense. Go and follow him on Instagram. But he hasn't tried to plug it, right? Whereas on Clubhouse, we were having some calls where we were talking about... Um, families and money management and it was so funny because you get on the call and there are some people who just you know they're just selling themselves so blatantly and it, yeah. it i'm smiling because it's it was it was it's hilarious you know it they're just <laughs> desperate to sell um so clubhouse did get people to talk about this i stopped using it a lot recently, but still it got everything okay on your sides um anish and sonia Yes. Yeah, so, <laughs> Sorry, I, I went to get my charger, so it's um. It snapped the phone off the. We're all right. We're, we're right. fine now. That's all right. It they're, like not having, someone... they're not having a fight. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> not, not, not on camera. It was like Tony was like, "Why aren't you? Why aren't you plugging yourself? Like you've been here." <laughs> no, no. So, she messaged me in private. Plug yourself <laughs> on the side. <laughs> but seriously, this is what happened on Clubhouse, and it was a shame because I was enjoying the discussions. But I had one chat. I mean, I actually set up a weekly call and I had a chat where I said, look, it would be good if schools um, got involved in this. And we had, had three mothers on the call, each of whom were running their own business. And they're saying, no, it shouldn't be schools. Schools shouldn't get involved. It's parents mm. who have to do it. But of course, they're selling products for parents to consume. And so the three of them, <laughs> they really ganged up on me. And it was funny. I still laugh because it was so hilarious. Nevertheless, yeah. I think... Um, Having people like Anish provide these services, it can be for people of my mother's age group, it can be for my age group, it can be for teenagers, it can be for anyone who really has um, the time to get involved and learn a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Um, Smart Money Pro said in the comments, which is back when we were talking about um, uh, speaking to family and friends about money, not only do they think that but they think you're going to kill them off or it's inviting something bad to happen um so i think this was in response to if like vivek you were saying anish tells john and then john tells paul yeah, so it's a bit yeah. of, like evil eye stuff going on there as well yeah interesting um cool i'm just looking at the uh the uh, time so i'll just um come on to 
kind of my final question to all of you. Um, and starting with you, Anish, uh, what would you like to see in future from the financial advice space? Where do you see it going from here? Um, because as, you, as we've said on this um, conversation, the average age of financial advisors, they're mid fifties, they're all due to retire soon. Following them are of course, a new generation of financial advisors. Yeah. But there's a lot of stuff that we're seeing in the FinTech space as well, you know, platforms that seek to match you with financial advisors, yeah. um, the role that content and media is playing. So what would yeah. you like to see in the future in the space as someone who's studying as well? Um, I think mainly the first thing I'd say is that it should be available to to all. Um, and while it while it it is to a certain extent at the moment, I don't think it's widely known that that you know just anyone can have a financial advisor, and it's not just about where you should put your money. Like as like we said before about um, life insurance and protection and things like that. Um, I don't think that everyone would even know that, that you know that kind of help is out there. So I feel like making it accessible or making it known to all that, you know, you can have some help instead of, you know, struggling so much when you might not need to. Um, I think that's the most important thing. But secondly, I'd say that education for people, you know, even in schools um, is really important because I think that if they have a strong foundation of knowledge in this kind of area, um, they'll only grow up to, to, try and expand that knowledge and to learn more and see what more they can do uh, instead of starting starting at like 21 years of age when you know just some of your friends are trying to so, so that's how you find out about it I think it's yeah. really important to know um, from a from a much earlier age so that's kind of one of my aspirations in the next well when I qualify but maybe in the next five to ten years is 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 look to try and help the younger the younger generations think about these kind of things maybe start up some some tuition lessons or something like that, just to just to, yeah. just to make it a bit more aware for for everyone just to, to actually just think about these kind of things for the future, because otherwise they'll just be blissfully ignorant until they're about twenty five and they're like, actually, maybe I should have thought about it, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. How about you, Sonia? What would you like to see from the future of the space? Um, yeah, I think for me, definitely the whole starting that education early in schools. I really do think. Um, that's quite important and I think it's even just accessing these like having people have the ability to, to have some form of accessibility so currently you know like I was saying a lot of financial advisors are retiring which means essentially those advisors can only take on you know however a maximum of number of clients so if myself or Anish or anyone wanted to go to an advisor they, they pretty much now at the moment, financial advisors have a minimum amount that you have to be willing to invest for them to take you on as a client purely because they can only take on a smaller number of clients. So they want to take the high net worth clients, not, yeah. you know, someone with a measly little amount of money, which to them is a small amount of money. But for us, it's like our whole life savings. Yeah. And, and, you know, so the reason for that is because there aren't enough advisors out there. So I'd like for there to, you know, a lot of these people are already doing some doing stuff. And I just think it would be really good if it gets to a point where everyone has access to a financial advisor and, and you, anyone can afford it is basically making it an affordable thing to do so that more people are conscious of doing it. You know, I think when you go to an accountant or whatever other professions there are out there, they, it's a lot of money and you do think, Oh, can I do that myself? Like, if I can do it myself, I'll, I'll do it myself. And I think 
it's just making that make having people be able to make that conscious decision of you know what i can afford to pay this person to go and do my do it for me so i know i'm secure in my future i think that's what would be an ideal world awesome and uh, vivek so we've spoken about uh, better education from a younger age accessibility affordability anything to add on what you'd like to see in the future of the space yeah i can say during lockdown um i have seen my parents always have got into they've always been using email because i've worked abroad a lot but i see during lockdown the number of times my dad checks whatsapp because they now have a group of friends who are sharing music or religious texts and i'm thinking you know if he can be incentivized to use whatsapp for social reasons why aren't we checking our bank balance like that i mean i never really i i i somehow feel i shouldn't say sick but I don't feel energized to check my balance with the bank. I, why, why do I want to check Instagram or Twitter or all of these things? I would love it if there was some easy way, some sort of an app where it's like just quickly, like brushing your teeth. You just do it once a day and you can see what's going on. Have some way to get, you know, rather than just doing your taxes once a year, your self-assessment once a year, just have it an integral part of your life you don't have to do it every day but just have an overview oh i earned a few pounds today because we're all going to be in the what do you call it the freelancer economy over the next couple of decades freelancing is the way forward so there's going to be a more of a need to um look at your taxes look at your earnings from different sources um and i came across a company the other day that actually is devoted to giving your taxes you know, if you're working six months here, three months there, one month here, they'll just do your taxes for you and tell you all about the rules in each of those countries. So with that in mind, I would like if there was a, a portal in a way for us to just manage our money management. Yeah. And that is something that it's not given. It's like everyone, you've got this bank is giving it to you or that app is giving it to you or this financial advisor is giving it to you. And I would love it if there was a way holistically yeah, and it probably would be an app because we're so chained to our phones. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, and awesome to hear that. Uh, yeah, the, your your dad is um, kind of getting on the uh, technological side of things as well. I think when your child is living overseas, um, parents are parents, and uh, they will learn fast. <laughs> they, yeah, yeah. they don't. They can't just call you now. He calls me if he wants me to do something like you know change the channel on the TV because it's a new TV and the remote control. You know he doesn't need to learn. Yeah, use it, but, yeah. <laughs> but when they need to learn, I mean, it, making it easier for them. That's the other thing. I think a lot of technology is great, but there are people now who have hidden disabilities or um, visual disabilities or people are aging, we've got an aging population and we need to include them in this discussion as well. Because I think about my parents a lot. I think they have the need to help them, but not everyone has that. Yeah. They need to be addressed. Um, yeah, that's true. Just to build upon, yeah, re really great um, kind of suggestions there in terms of what we can expect in the future. Just to build upon what you've all said, um, at the moment, I um, don't have a fixed GP. I, um, I made a switch to an app called Babylon Health on Jenny's recommendation, oh. actually. And I think it's brilliant. Um, basically, if you want an appointment, you do it all in the app. You can have a telephone or video consultation in the first instance. And then um, if you need to go in, then you can pick from one of many GP surgeries and be, be seen. 
and it's like super flex. So like you, you don't have like one fixed location and one fixed kind of uh, doctor that you can see. And going through that process, I was just wondering if there was a way to do that with financial advisors where you just kind of do a very simple survey, talk about your needs and your, oh, we've lost Vivek. I'm sure he'll be back. Um, just, lost, just lost battery. Um, yeah, just a very simple survey, very simple, like these are my circumstances. And then you're basically matched with an advisor that's right for you. Um, that's something that I'd like to see happen in future. Yeah. yeah. The kind of the technological with the people, because you do need to have humans at the, at the back of it yeah. um, at the end of the day. Yeah. <clears throat> just uh, conscious of time. So I'm going to kick off with the rapid fire questions, if that's okay. Thanks everyone for uh, sticking with us throughout this conversation so far. I hope you've learned a lot. I know that I have. Um, and hopefully we can get Vivek back for the rapid fire questions um, as well. But uh, first is, what has been um, your biggest financial achievement uh, to date? And I'll start with you first, Sonia. Oh, that's a tricky question. Um, probably I'm quite proud of the fact um, that I've managed to kind of open a stocks and shares. I got started on my investment journey when I started working and I didn't really have a role model to kind of tell me to do that. So that's probably one of my achievements that I kind of did my research. This was before I entered the industry. So I was cool. quite glad about that I did that. Awesome stuff. I'm, uh, I was just thinking, I'm glad you asked her first, so I'd have 10 seconds to think. And I still <laughs> don't know I'm going to say it. Um, my biggest financial achievement? It should, I shouldn't have been having to think this long, really, but it's quite bad, isn't it? What's my, what's my biggest financial achievement? Um, I don't know. I don't well, know what you've you got your eyes out. Yeah, but you just said that, and that's the same thing, basically. Yeah, I, start, I mean, I started mine up where, uh, just when I started my first job, which is about six, seven years ago now. And, yeah, I mean, it, it, I, I guess it's, 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 it, it has grown a lot. So every time I look at it, I'm actually pleasantly surprised, which is, which is nice, um, yeah. because there, there was a period where I left it for a few years. I just hadn't looked at it. And it just really just, it was money that I wasn't even thinking about that was just going in there. Um, yeah. And then when I looked at it, you know, it was, it was a really nice surprise. I've got all this, num you know, lump sum of money sitting there that I'm just going to be able to tap into <laughs> when I'm retired. Not, not anytime, not anytime soon. But yeah, I mean, I guess that I, I could say that's an achievement, but um, I'm just, I'm just glad and fortunate that I did that, to be honest. Uh, and, I, and, I, and I advise anyone to do that as soon as they start their first job, you know, just just set up a direct debit of whatever you can afford, whatever money yeah. you're not even thinking about, and just let it go and, and grow. And in five, 10 years time, you'll be pleasantly surprised too. <laughs> yeah, the, the, and the platform minimums can, can be uh, quite low these days. You don't need to start with that much money if you want exactly. to invest. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. What some one people? It's one pound. I think there's some that are, are literally as little as one pound you can start. Definitely. I, I did a post on the platform minimums, actually, for the, oh, yeah, the one-off um, sums. Um, I think I'll do another post on the monthly minimums as well. Ah, oh, Vivek's back. Um, <laughs> he said three minutes. <laughs> you better have a good answer here now. <laughs> I know. Well, my mum just came into the room to give me advice, you know? Like, <laughs> don't forget you did this, 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 this. So she did just come into the room, but jokes aside, um, I'm glad because, I mean, it's not an easy thing um yeah you asking me now 
Yeah, what's your biggest financial achievement to date? Okay, and this, it's not the biggest in value, but I still feel it's the biggest um, for me, is that when I was uh, in my third year at uni, I worked. So I did a placement year. And so I was financially independent from the age of basically 20. And I also was able to save up for my final year. So I didn't have to ask my mum and dad for my, you know, I didn't have to ask my mum and dad for anything. And because I'd come from the background where my mum and dad looked after me, perhaps a little too much, like, you know, I shouldn't say this, but I was, you know, I didn't have to work, do holiday jobs or any of that stuff. It was really pampered a little too much. So for me, it was a case of saying, look, even if that option is there, I want to earn the money and save the money. And uh, I want to do something positive with it, which is paying my way for the final year. And also with a little bit of money that was left, I went back um, to see my grandmother in India. So these are good things to do because I didn't, I didn't, I didn't get the chance to see her um, after that last trip um, because she passed on. But, you know, these are important things. So I think I was able to do something positive with the money I saved. Um, and I was also able to do something positive from a family perspective. So, yeah, that was the best financial decision. Excellent stuff. Um, next question is, what one piece of money advice would you have given to yourself 10 years ago? Um, again, starting with Anish and then Sonia and then Vivek. One piece of money advice. Um, I, I think I was always fairly smart with my money. Um, whereas I, in, in a sense, I didn't really waste it. I think I, I, if anything, I'd just say invest more. Um, Although, I, you know, obviously I started investing when I was quite young and uh, when I started my first job. And like I said, I was pleasantly surprised, but I think I could have pushed myself a little bit more to, to put a little bit more into, into their savings accounts every month. Um, but that's, 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 I think that's all I'd say, to be honest. Cool. Sonia? Um, I think budget, because I definitely knew that, like, even though I was putting money in the stocks and shares, I was definitely not putting as much as I could have. Um, and then now when I look back, I'm like, oh, I don't even know where I spent all that money. Yeah. I must have been clothes and going out and, and random things that I really don't need in my life. So I think I would my, probably the biggest piece of advice would be to have a budget. So set aside how much I could spend and how much I should spend and have that kind of balance going forward and reassess every couple of years, every year, if those figures need to change. Yeah. Both very sensible suggestions. It again, looks like Vivek has frozen, so I'm just going to continue to rattle through these questions. Okay. Um, if you were to win the lottery, um, both, how would you spend it? Let's say you were to win £10 million. <laughs> I always think about this in my head. Yeah, every, you should every, have an answer. Week, I'm like, well, what happened if I win the lottery? Um, no, I would at least... Um, save at least half of it at least at least half of it will go just locked away i wouldn't even think about it because i know that i'd end up doing silly things and and then i wouldn't <laughs> have anything left over so so yeah half of it will be gone i'd definitely give uh, a sizable amount to charity or or try to look into doing my own charity or something like that and then whatever i've i've, I've been left with i'd probably um split it with my family or whatever or you know treat my family and things like that that's very yeah. generous that's not what I was like, going to say. <laughs> I think I would, um, yeah, give a little bit to charity and I think I'd save a good amount, but I think I would probably figure out, like, I think half of it would go into investments 
for at least five years, 10 years. And then the rest of it, I would probably spend on holidays, which I'm not saying is a great financial advice at all, but. <laughs> 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 but right. I'm gonna go on holidays. <laughs> I think that's what I'd be doing. Cool. Um, what are your long-term money goals, Anish and then Sonia? Long-term money goals, just to be financially free, to be honest. And when you say financially free, uh, me and Sonia have had a lot of conversations about this um, in the past. Uh, it means mostly that, you know, you're not, you don't have to worry too much about every decision you make. Uh, for example, you know, if you wanted to go on that holiday, you know, in 20 years time, I want to be financially free enough to be like, I can't go on that holiday. I have to, I have to budget or think about it or save specifically for, for that, you know? So in 20 to 20, 20 to 30 years time, I definitely want to be, um, yeah, financially free, not, not, no, no money worries, nothing. Awesome. Yeah. yeah, I think it's pretty much exactly the same. I, I just want to have financial freedom and kind of be in a position where I can spend what I want to spend and live the life that I want to live. So a bit more luxury would be nice. And just, yeah, being able to, to not have to think so much about all the little decisions you make, but, but hopefully you make the right decisions now and you can get there in, in about 30, 40 years. Absolutely. And um, the final question is, what does success mean to you? Anish and then Sonia. I think success, I think is being content with, with the person that you are and, and the life that you live in, I think. I think if you can be happy, then that's a success in itself. It's kind of cheesy, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> um, I think for You're me... True. <laughs> no, it's true, it's true. And I, and I think for me, it's probably um, having all my goals kind of achieved. I, I'm someone that lives by like goals and, and I need to like have something to be working towards and I think but when I get to a point where I've achieved everything I wanted to achieve I, I feel like I'll be happy that I've kind of had a bit of success very very good um thank you to both of you and to Vivek I know we've we've lost him oh he's kind of in speaking to us from the from the beyond of the comments <laughs> um, Thank you to all three of you for joining um, today's discussion. It's been hugely informative, educational. It's actually been interesting to hear about your um, kind of cultural context and just being able to compare that to growing up um, in a kind of British Nigerian household as well. So thank you for sharing that with us too. Before we sign off, anyone you want to anyone you want to shout out, anything you want to pluck. Uh, no, no, not no, really, no, to be no, honest. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> not really. We just, I mean, our page is mainly designed to, it, we don't really plug the whole financial advice there yet. It's more just about educating. So, yeah, if, if you find any of our content interesting, give us a follow. But that's probably it. There we go. A super, probably one of the most humble um, endings to the testimony. <laughs> Um, but yeah, thank you so much for coming on. It's been awesome speaking to you both. Uh, thank you also, uh, Vivek. Sorry you dropped out towards the end there. Thank you to everyone for sticking with us throughout this conversation, for all of your questions and your comments. Hope you've gained a lot from listening to this episode of the show. We'll be back at the same time next week, Monday, with uh, another special guest. So until then, everyone take care. Bye. Thank you for having us. Thank you. Thanks, everyone. Bye. Bye-bye.